Well, good morning. We're grateful that you could be with us. Um, if you're visiting for the first time, welcome to New Life Church. And what you just saw this morning was a, was a visual drama of um, the Christmas story. And I'm going to spend a few moments just to tell you um, the biblical narrative of what Christmas is about. So this is December, and we generally observe this month to remember the birth of Christ. And if you have your Bibles, could I ask you to turn to Isaiah in the Old Testament? Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be looking at the prophecy, the prophecy of Jesus the Messiah who would be born into this world. Before we read that, I want to just start with a, a story about the cartoon strip called Peanuts. Uh, during the 1960s, this cartoon was created, it was born, and this comic strip began appearing in newspapers all over America. Uh, CBS, which, was, which is an American broadcasting network, first approached um, the creator, Charles Schultz, um, with an idea of an animated television Christmas special featuring Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, and the whole gang. And Schultz agreed. And so the work began, and CBS was quick to review the script. But Schultz titled the special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. And of course, CBS approved. And the opening scene placed Charlie Brown on his tiptoes, peeking into his snow-covered mailbox, hoping to find a Christmas card, but to no avail again. So feeling dejected, he stopped by Lucy's psychiatric booth to mourn the commercialism of Christmas. And Lucy agreed, adding her own lament, and she said, Christmas is nothing but a lot of stupid toys. What I really want is real estate. CBS loved it. In the next scene, Charlie became further disillusioned as Snoopy his dog was decorating his doghouse with strings of lights and gaudy decorations in hopes of winning a neighborhood contest. Good grief, said Charlie Brown. And CBS agreed that was fantastic. But even Sally, Charlie's sister, was caught in the Christmas trappings. She recruited him to take a dictation for a letter to Santa. And she said, Dear Santa, just send money, preferably tens and twenties. And more, more laughter from CBS. As the story progressed, Lucy sent Charlie to pick out a Christmas tree for their neighborhood pageant with instructions to find a big, shiny aluminum tree, maybe painted pink. But Charlie couldn't do it. Instead, he brought back a real, although a very small, pathetic-looking, lifeless tree, and the kids hated it. And they shouted, Charlie Brown, you blockhead. And CBS said, that was fantastic. That's really good. But frustrated, Charlie said, what is Christmas all about anyway? And then Linus stepped into the spotlight and answered Charlie Brown's question with a passage from Scripture. 
And that scripture is taken from Luke chapter 2. And it, he read in the King James Version. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Of course, when CBS saw this, they said, Stop, stop this, hold everything. You can't recite the Bible verses on national television, and especially not the King James Version. You'll, you'll alienate our, our viewers, and you'll chase away our advertisers. The tree can stay, but the Bible has to go. And the creator, Schultz, he stood firm, and he said, If I can't tell the Christmas story, you can't have the peanuts cast. If the Bible reading goes, so do they. And CBS looked at their fast-approaching deadline, and they started to worry. Okay, they said, it stays, but we're going to pay a terrible price for this. And sure enough, on the night of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the CBS switchboard was flooded with calls from all around the country. And everyone asked the same question. When can we have more Charlie Brown Christmas specials? And CBS said, soon, very soon, we promise. And that night, a TV tradition was born in America. 50% of America tuned in to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. It won an Emmy Award and a, and a Peabody Award. And the TV Guide claimed that Linus's Bible reading was one of the top 35 moments in television history, and a Charlie Brown Christmas became the longest-running Christmas special at CBS. Well, you see, the story of Jesus' birth was never meant to be a secret, and Schultz understood that, and he wanted everybody to hear the biblical narrative of the Christmas story. And as the angel said in Luke 2 verse 10, the birth of Jesus is good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. It's a story for everybody to hear and to know. And the fact is, the birth of Jesus wasn't something that was created 2,000 years ago. The birth of Jesus was foretold hundreds of years before he was, he was even born. The prophet Isaiah told us about Jesus' birth 700 years before he was born. And one of the best-known Old Testament prophecies Isaiah tells us what Jesus would be called. Turn with me and look in Isaiah. We're going to read from verse 2 to verse 7. Isaiah chapter 9, from verse 2 to verse 7. This is the prophecy, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, 
as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the, the, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as, one, as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as a fuel for the furnace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Look at verse 6 there. Isaiah said in verse 6, he told us four names that Jesus would be called. And each name gives us really a description of who this Messiah was, of who this Jesus was. And we're going to look at these four names this morning. For unto us, look at verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So each name here gives us a description of who Jesus is. And my first point this morning is, because Jesus shall be called Wonderful Counselor, there will be no confusion. Isaiah said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. There will be no confusion when it comes to the Son of God. Now, during his first advent, Jesus demonstrated his wisdom as a counselor. We see that in the, in the Gospels. The New Testament description of Jesus' encounters with people who came to him for counsel show that in a, a wonderful way, he always knew what to say. He knew how to reach out to people. He knew when to confront people. He knew when to rebuke people. And the testimony of those who heard him was, no one has ever spoken like this man. The truth is, Jesus is the source of all truth. He has told us this. He has told us he is the life, he is the way, he is the truth. He told us in John 14, verse 6. And it is to him that we must ultimately turn to make sense of, of life's confusion. And we live in a world where there is confusion. We live in a day and an age where, where there is lots of turmoil. But the scriptures tell us, because he is the wonderful counselor, we don't need to have this confusion. Unfortunately, most people turn everywhere else for counsel. They go to advisors, they, they go to psychiatrists, they go to astrologers, they go to religious leaders, even, even pastors to, to, for help. But the most critical truth of all, and the only real life-changing truth, is the truth that is found in the Scriptures, is the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate and the only answer to all of the confusions we will have in this life. Wouldn't you like to have a counselor who knows everything? I think we all would. Well, Jesus is that counselor. He knows everything about you. He knows all the, the needs of your heart. He knows how to 
answer those needs. And he always is a wonderful counselor to those who will hear him and obey him. My second point is because Jesus shall be called mighty God, there will be no chaos. Isaiah tells us here, his name shall be called mighty God. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. He is a God of peace. Now, chaos is completely the opposite to who Jesus is. Completely. Scriptures tell us he is the mighty God of order. He is the God with power to create order. And he has done that. And he has got the power to, to keep this order. And Jesus loves to step into a person's life of chaos and not only provide wonderful counsel, but also display his divine power, his divine wisdom by bringing order out of that chaos. If you look into your heart and you look into your life as believers, you can testify to that. Hasn't he made order out of the chaos of your life? And not only does he tell his subjects what to do as this counselor, but he also, in, he also enables us to do it. He gives us the power to put these things into, into order because he is the mighty God, because he is the only God, because he is the creator of this world. Life makes sense. You know, human counsel can only go so far. And it stops short of that, that point of power because we don't have this power that God has. No human has this ability. No ability to empower anybody else to do what is right. We can give suggestions. We can give advice. But we can't give anybody power to change their life. But in Jesus, we have a mighty God who has this power. He has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to defeat Satan. He has the power to, to liberate us from even the power of evil. He has the power to redeem us. And he has the power to answer every person's prayer. He has the power to restore our broken souls and mend our broken hearts. He has the power to rule over even our rebuilt lives and brings order to the chaos that we find ourselves in because he is the mighty God. But thirdly, Isaiah tells us his name shall be called Everlasting Father. Now because Jesus shall be called Everlasting Father, there will be no end. There will be no finish. Now Jesus' name here in the context, is in relation to time. It's not to his relationship with other members of, of the Godhead. We know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they are one. So it's not talking about that, but it's talking in relation to time. And it's telling us here that Jesus is, is everlasting. It's it tells us in Hebrews chapter, chapter 1, verse 10 to 12, it says of Jesus, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. 
They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. We think of infinity, and we think of all of its intricacies. And it's nothing to Jesus. It's nothing compared to Jesus, who is the beginning and the end. The Bible says he is the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha was the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is the beginning and the end. The first and the last. The everlasting Father. And He declares the end from the beginning. He's the one who tells us. He's the one who tells us from the very start. And He declares how everything will turn out. He created this world. He started the world as we know it. But what a comfort to know that even though he started this, he didn't just wash his hands and, and say, you're on your own. He is in complete control. He is the, the sovereign God. And we are owned by the creator of this world. And he deserves our worship. He sees everything. He sees the beginning and he sees the end. And he guarantees that he will work for the ultimate good of all of his subjects. For those who love him, all things work together for good. And he will last forever. And finally, Isaiah says, And his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Because Jesus shall be called Prince of Peace, there will be no conflicts. He offers peace from God to all of us who are the recipients of His grace. The Bible says He makes peace with God on our behalf. If we are willing to surrender our lives to Him, if we are willing to put our faith in Him, we can have peace with God. And He brings this peace of God to us, to those who, who walk with Him. You know, at Christmas we hear that the beginning of his earthly life was, was heralded by, by angels who announced peace on earth. But in the same sense, we think, well, there never really has been peace on earth. If you think about it, there's wars everywhere. You know, wars have really characterized the whole 2,000 years since the, the birth of Jesus. And even before that, even before the time of Jesus. So that announcement of peace on earth was, was twofold. It was a, a double proclamation. Firstly, it declared the arrival of Jesus as the only one who would ultimately bring this everlasting peace. And he will do that at his second coming. And he will come again. He won't come as a, as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger at the mercy of his parents. He will come again riding on a white horse, the scriptures say. And he will come declaring judgment upon those who have rejected him. But the scriptures tell us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be a time when everybody will do that. But sadly, some people will do it in a place called hell. They will recognize that Jesus is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, but it will be too late. 
But nevertheless, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But secondly, and more important, this proclamation that God would bring peace is available to us today. Look at the words of of Luke chapter 2, which we read earlier, which Linus read for Charlie Brown. The whole reason why Christmas makes sense, the whole purpose of Christmas. He says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So who are those with whom he is pleased? Well, obviously, these are the ones who have surrendered their lives to him. These are the ones who have made peace with God through Jesus Christ. These are the ones who have accepted God's terms of peace. These are not our terms. These are God's terms. And we can only do it through his son who paid the price for our sins, who paid this propitiation that was required for our sins. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 147, verse 11, that the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. So we fear God because we are sinners. And if you are honest with yourself this morning, you would admit that. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. And we all are in need of God's forgiveness. And we hope in His steadfast love because the good tidings of great joy is that eventually Jesus gave His own sinless life, His own guiltless life on our behalf. That is really the good news of Christmas. So that He would die for our sins and save us from God's wrath. When Gabriel, the angel, appeared before Joseph, he told him, you will call your son Jesus. And then he told him why. Jesus is the word Yeshua, Joshua, which means Savior. And he says, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That is the good news of Christmas, folks. That is the only hope that we have of making peace with God through His Son, Jesus, who would pay this terrible price that needed to be paid for us on our behalf, who would give His life as a ransom for our sins. And He promises salvation to all of those who will turn from their sins and embrace Him by faith. When the angel proclaimed peace on earth, he was speaking personally to every single one of us. And there's an individual application here of God's peace. And it grows from a first-hand relationship with the Prince of Peace. And you can have this wonderful peace this morning. You can have this wonderful peace this Christmas season if you put your faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. So in conclusion this morning, let me ask you 
that question. Do you have peace with God? Do you know for sure if you were to die today that you could stand before God at peace? Or is your heart at war with the God of this universe, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace? Would you know for sure if you stood before Him today that He would embrace you as His child? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name is Mighty God. His name is Everlasting Father. His name is Prince of Peace. And even a little cartoon character by the name of Linus understood that. He understood why Jesus came. He understood the point of Christmas. It's not about the trees. It's not about the Christmas presents. It's not about anything else. It's not about the decorations. Christmas is about Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and dwelt among us and lived a perfect life so that he could die a perfect death for you and for me. So that we could have peace with God. Do you have this peace this morning? Well, believe in Jesus this Christmas. And you will find him to be the answer to all the confusion that you have. To all of the chaos that is in your life. To all of the the conflicts that you experience. Jesus is the answer. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning for your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we would have nothing if it wasn't for your son. Our faith, Lord, would be in vain this morning if your son didn't come to this earth and die for us and rise again from the dead. Our life would be meaningless, Lord. So we thank you for your son. We thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to this wonderful truth. We thank you, Lord, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And we pray, Lord, this year as a church, Lord, our hearts would be focused, Lord, on the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And we will give glory to him this year, Father, because he deserves all the glory. Forgive us, Lord, where we've fallen and we've failed and we have taken some of this glory for ourselves. Christmas is not about us. It's not about what we can get. It's all about your son, Lord. So we pray you help us to be faithful even with this Christmas message. We pray, Lord, you'll give us opportunities this Christmas to share the wonderful story, the wonderful message of Christmas with those around us, those who are still in darkness, those who still need Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the message that we can proclaim effectively, Lord, to those who will embrace your Son this Christmas. We thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus once again. We pray that he would receive all the honor and glory that he deserves. We pray this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.